this Pride Week Conference Part 2, we are thankful for Refuge in Mount Olive sponsoring this week of ministerial operation, community outreach, and empowerment, serving communities such as the Black community, the Indigenous community, the LGBTQIA community, underprivileged community, and underserved communities. Our keynote speaker, Janande Summons, has invited panelists and executives in multiple backgrounds to provide us with challenging thought, discussion, and insight on how we can become inclusive in health affairs, in financial affairs, even in economic and enterprise. Thank you so much. May heaven smile upon you and enjoy this part two of our Pride Week conference. We'll be right back after these messages. And welcome in family and friends to this day two of our Pride Week Conference, part two. I'm your host, Renande Summons. It is a privilege, it is an honor to serve as the presiding officer for Refuge in Mount Olive, as well as for the speaker for this moment of empowerment. We are so thankful to have this day two of our Pride Week Conference revolving around the importance of community health and stability. We are joined by member of Refuge in Mount Olive, as well as health administration grad student, Sydney Monet Davis, to discuss issues revolving around these topics in the community, the LGBTQIA, the black communities, as well as indigenous and underprivileged and underserved communities. We're thankful for her rapport as she is a recent graduate from Rutgers, New Brunswick. And we thank, we are thankful for her knowledge, for her impact, for her leadership and her continued support in the health field. Now, Sydney, we have gone through a post-apocalyptic, in my opinion, health experience, especially with the COVID 19 still being a prominent virus that we have to be careful for and you know many people like to have uh like to mix politics with medicine and they like to mix traditions and religions with opinion but with all due respect to the power of medicine and the practices of it we have to understand that health is completely irrelevant and stands on its own in these regards. And I would like to ask, you know, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us, Sydney. And welcome back in to the discussion after that brief commercial break. We're thankful for our ad sponsored by Anchor. But we are so privileged to have on this day two of our Pride Week conference health administration grad student Sydney Monet Davis join how are you I'm great how are you so wonderful 
so thankful again to have you. Uh, it's Thank also you special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. It's also special to have you because you're a member of Refuge Mount Olive also. You, you've been with us for a, a while now, just, you know, following the organization and our work. Yes. It's great so, what you guys do. Thank you. Pleasure. So what we have going on today, as we're talking about community health and support, we're, we're speaking about, you know, the recovery of a, uh, of a health crisis that our nation and a global experience that took place that we're all still recovering from, from many dimensions, but from the health aspect, there is so much recovery. There is so much research being done right now because of it, uh, because of the COVID-19 lockdown and the affairs of it. You know, and so one of my first, you know, questions as we face, you know, these health issues, usually these underprivileged communities, these underserved communities, um, communities that are, aren't able to have the instant resources are the first ones to suffer from these kinds of, a, uh, of, of dilemmas. And so what, in, what are some cultural challenges, uh, community challenges that you've observed that impacts medical support in underserved communities? So right now, um... There's, there's a lot of different things that impact, you know, the minority community and the LGBTQ yeah. community, the African-American community, yeah. um, indigenous people. Yeah. Um, one of them that I see right now that's real big is the scarcity of formula for babies mm -hmm. and um, support that, you know, mothers need in these communities. Um, it's not there. The formula isn't there, the support isn't there, the love isn't there, the motivation to just get up, keep going, and be there for your kids. There's it's not it's not there. I think that's something that the these communities are lacking right now, but not because of themselves, but because there's no support, you know, there's no effort being put towards it. Mm. Um a lot of people in the LGBTQ community um are underserved. Mm -hmm. we don't have enough people that's coming out to step up and speak and give their truth there's yeah. a lot of people that do but there's right. a lot of people that won't you know yeah um, and it would help right it would help right um there's also you know the overturning of roe versus wade you know yeah. there's a lot of privileges a lot of rights sorry not privileges rights that women should have they're being taken away from us right in front of our eyes. Something that mm -hmm. we fought so hard for, you mm -hmm. know, is being taken away from us. And here we are, 2022. You know, it's a lot of different things that these underprivileged communities have to face. And there's not support. There's not effort. We're not being heard. We don't have people that are vouching for us in those higher places. There's not many people in the government that's vouching for us, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so those are some of the things that I've noticed. There's a lot. Trust me, there's plenty more. Please, please share. Please there's, don't don't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's a lack of resources. You know, right everywhere. There's a lack of resources. But and, we definitely and, need those people from higher places to step down off their pedestals, come yeah. reach into our communities, come pour into our communities, give back to our communities, but also speak. For our communities as well, you know. 
Yeah, because we generate so much for the the for other cultures. You know, when we're speaking about black community, especially from all different realms, whether you are in the successful realm of, of black wealth and enterprise, or if you are upper middle class or middle class, or even if you are considered low income, there is a level of culture and creativity that we just generate. And the media, um, society, in a way it lives off of. And we have to get to a point where, like you said, we're ready to, you know, serve our communities. And, and I believe we're, we've become better with this, especially in the realms of especially entertainment, that we're learning to give back more to our communities. We're not just becoming great successes. And then we're giving all of our money and, 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 and funds to these um, privileged banquets but we're actually learning to go back to our landmarks and help seeing what the problem is and restoring the issues. Um, I believe that's super, super important um, as we experience these lack of resources uh, when it comes to representation, when it comes to supporting each other you know, even from an educational standpoint, what are some, uh, g give me your thoughts, especially as a young woman, especially as a young career executive in the industry of medical, how do you feel, you know, at, about this Roe versus Wade experience? I'm destroyed. I'm, I'm completely destroyed. Right. You know, it's not just... How can I put this? It's not just the right to abortion and contraception and things like that. Mm -hmm. There's also, you know, it comes to factor in like, does my life matter too? Yeah. You know, it's it's not just about abortion and using contraceptives. Yeah. Um, you know, they're taking away the right to to decide. It's, it's, it really is, it is, like, it's very, 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 very heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, and, you know, women should have the right to decide what they want to do with their body. You yes. know, if someone decides they want to have an abortion, for say, because yeah. they know they cannot carry a baby long-term, and, you know, that will spare them the hurt and the pain and the sorrow they have to feel, then that's their right. Yeah. Yeah. Someone knows they have health problems and carrying a child could be um, detrimental to their life. Yeah. They should have the right to choose yes. what they would like to do. Exactly. If someone it is, for say, rape and conceives a baby out of rape. Yeah. That could be, you know, that along you know, a, a long time from now, from that point where they give birth and everything, like, it could be so traumatic, you know? Yeah. Girls get raped very young. Babies. Right. Not saying that they can conceive, but a lot of girls that, you know, are over the age of 12, 13, 14, after they reach that stage in their life, they can conceive, and who is really prepared to take care of a child at the age of 12 and 13? Yeah. Even, you know, 14, 15. 
I, I would even go a step further and say 21. Yeah, sometimes people 25 are 25 and sometimes people are not ready. Yeah. We're so, you know, and it's not even about being emotionally ready. Right. It's about being financially ready. Being prepared yeah. for a child. Yeah. Taking care of a child when you're only a child yourself. Period. I see people do it all the time, but sometimes there's not a lot of resources. There's not a lot of support. There's not a lot of motivation to keep going. You know, that's very traumatic for some people. Um, yeah. And the child changes everything. Children change everything. It's not just about the cute pictures and the cute outfits, because truth be told, that only lasts for uh, no more than uh, 24 months. And then they got They grow out of everything so quick. Um, yes. Money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, kids are money. People are money. If you do not have the money to yeah. support yourself and your child, then how can you even feel comfortable knowing that you can't even take care of your child? Yeah, that you can't give them the life that you want to give them. You know, it's very traumatic. Right. And with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, it's just so many different things that come into play. And and, and even you know me coming from. A, a mother who dealt with, uh, who struggled with addiction. Um, I believe there were some traumatic experiences as a parent that, you know, I, I believe promoted her usage. And I'm pretty sure that that's the testimony of many parents who really tried their hardest to surmount. And we're talking about, you know, especially in the black community, we're talking about Latinos communities, you know, again, indigenous communities where mothers have no other choice but to do what they have to do. There is no, well, can we go to the family? Uh, can we go to the family uh, bond, bonds that we have? Or can we go to the savings account or to the assets that we have in store? There, there is none of those things that are, that are existing. And I believe that many people uh, who come from a, a level of stability and a level of structure can really never understand, and, and 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 it's not it's not something Sydney, in my opinion, experience. <laughs> I don't want you to to have to go through, and, and that's something else that, that I want to talk about a little bit. That people are so infatuated by the struggles of the hood. They are so they are so infatuated by the struggles of of ghetto life and what you have to go through in order to make it off the streets, out of the hood. And it's like some people in our generation throw themselves in these uh, in these positions. Yes. Oh, I think I can handle it because I've listened to enough music and I've watched enough movies and I and I and I and I've lived with my parents long enough for me to really figure this thing out uh called life and you end up inadvertently becoming a statistic, you know, a statistic of poverty of the lower income because you're so, you know, focused on maybe trying to live out certain, mm -hmm. you know, things, whether you have no other, whether you have a choice or whether you don't, you know, and in our, the, the underserved communities, they deal with the entire world of they have no other choice. So, right. You know, even to the mothers who would, who would not dare, you know, abort their children. Let, let us defend them, you know, as well. You know, who would not even dare? Who is for Roe versus Wade? You know, 
I mean, how can you support yourself? How can you handle these economic transitions? I mean, there is, as you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, there is already a formula shortage. And we already know that the shortage is not affecting people in the upper echelon economic stature. Right. We already know that. And realistically, I don't even think they use formula. <laughs> they probably use some other pediatric stuff from, you know, I don't know, Africa or Brazil or somewhere that's, you know, top of the line, you know. So it, it's so interesting how it does boil down to money and how these powers that we speak of need to learn how to listen and support us from these, from these multiple aspects. And it kind of leads into our second question. In what ways can we face the obstacles of health? and expenses so from what i learned in school um there's many ways to give back to your community there's many ways to pour into your community and help the underserved and the underprivileged um you know sometimes we see donations and food drives food banks um collections offerings you know but one thing that i really really well, in school, something I never even thought about was bringing mm-hmm. back or bringing healthier markets into the community. Um, yeah. The, in a lot of urban communities, there's always a corner store. Yeah. But in the corner store, you know there's nothing but junk. Cheese steaks and fogies. And... Like yeah, exactly. Right. There's cheese steaks, there's there's Right. There's sandwiches, there's egg, bacon, grits, and sausage, you know? Don't make me hungry. <laughs> okay. Um, there's chips, there's water ice, there's slushies, there's candy. And, and the best of junk food, too. The, the true best of junk food, too. It is the best of, of junk food. And, and, and I believe that's what makes it more attractive and, and so lucrative in these corner stores that we're speaking of. And welcome in, family and friends. Day one of our Pride Week Conference, part two, we're back with our discussion, Sydney Monet Davis, as we discuss community health and support. And before we went off to the break, we were discussing the impact of economics and health in our communities. We were talking about underprivileged and underserved communities uh, being behind in support, not being appreciated, not even being seen with uh, providing support in areas of health that is so needed. And especially as we recover from an COVID experience, it's important for us to make sure that we are conscientious of these health support systems and communities that are doing the, the, the foundational work needed, but it requires money that's little to non-existent. So Sydney, in what ways can we face the obstacles of health and expenses? 
So as I was saying, we should definitely give back to our communities. Um, if you're in the position to give back to your community, definitely give back. Why not? Yeah. You know, show love and support for the town and the community that supported you once upon a time. Right. We have to pour back into these communities. We have to uplift our people. We have to uplift our children. You know, the children are the future. When we're yeah. down and old, these children are going to rise up to be those politicians, those doctors, those lawyers, um, law enforcement. You know, everything you ever wish for, your kids and your children will be. But we have to support them. We have to pour into our communities. Um, one thing that I noticed in school that I never, ever thought about was how um, underprivileged communities have corner stores or bodegas. And yes. on every corner, there's a store. But these stores aren't providing, you know, what's needed to survive. I mean, yes, they're providing food, and that is needed to survive. But they're not providing... Yeah healthy thing and healthy living, you know, healthy foods. So what we talked about in class was that there should be more corner stores and healthy food markets. You know, this would lower the levels of obesity in the community. This yeah. will change diets of people in the community. This will decrease Decrease hospital visits in the community. Yeah. Decrease doctor visits in the community. But it might also increase doctor visits, which is a good thing because everyone needs to see a primary care doctor and everyone yeah. needs to keep up with their health. But there's so many different aspects that things like, you know, that in particular um, could affect in a positive way. And, you know, just, just adding on to, you know, that thought of, expenses and people should be mindful especially if you're in and this is a leadership summit so we're speaking also to the leaders who are having to learn financial structure let's be let's be transparent here if you don't learn how to budget your own money no one will ever trust you to budget their money exactly. so we have to be realistic and so if we're in a position where we are in the beginning of a startup company or we're in a building phase where we're getting multiple investments and multiple sources of income, you know, whether they're small or big, you know, we have to learn how to respect economics. And one thing that if from a personal standpoint, if you're the type of person like me, especially I, I was really bad uh, when I was a little younger, but spending so much food on spending so much money on food and junk food all the time. And it wasn't that I was going out buying the latest Gucci belt or anything. It's just that I couldn't ha not handle just not buying some junk food once in a while. And that was such a money grabber as well, you know? So it's like, if you're, if you're also wanting to learn how to practice healthy habits uh, watch and study your eating habits, you know, because like, you know, we had Sydney State, you know, at the corner store. Oh, my goodness. If I had a corner store up anywhere corner close to me, it would always have my service, but it would not be a healthy alternative. And, you know, even me living in the South right now, I've had to learn how just because it's right there doesn't mean I have to indulge myself in it. Right. You know? So, you know, that level of discipline and 
when we're talking about obesity in the community, it's so prominent because technology plays a solid role in, and I'm not a person that at all, I'm from the Silicon Valley. We don't, we don't, we're not against tech at all. <laughs> so I will not dare say that technology is the reason for obesity, but I will say because we have video games and yes. iPads and TikTok. phones and Instagram and all of these tech resources that when me and you, when we were in middle school, we didn't have, we had our phones, but there was still, we had our giddies, what we called them, get togethers, uh, but we had giddies <laughs> and different types of hangouts that, and we were dancing. Oh, we would love to dance. And what was the latest dance? I believe if you're not wiggling your arms in a certain way, I, I think, you know, that's the new dancing. All you do is just do the wiggling. I mean, we used to seriously dance. And I know generations before us, they were heavily into dancing. But, you know, even when uh, you and I were in middle school, Sydney, you know, we uh, we, we were about, well, what's the latest dance and how can we keep up? And that right. was high energy and staying active. And I believe there there is a lack of in, in modern, you know, uh, uh, you know, young children, because again, the, the convenience of technology and why would I dance when I can watch Chris Brown dance, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. So it's super, super important for that. And, 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 you know, also learning how to invest in your health appropriately, investing in your health. We will invest in the best ganja. Why not invest in the best health? We will invest. We will invest into the best night for our club experience. But we gotcha. But we um, don't need to uh, find a need or a conviction to invest in our health. So it's really important for us to invest in our health. Know what your body works for you. Okay, another thing, and and we'll be moving on. But you know what works for your body only works for your body. So learn how to take care of your body for you. You yeah. don't have the body of Kim Kardashian. You don't have the body of Lori Harvey. You don't have the body of Rihanna. Don't try don't go to, to the extreme. Do Thank not go you. to the extreme. Find what's good for you and stick to it. Everyone's yes. different in their own ways, their own shapes, their own sizes, their own body, their own mindset, their own habits, their own diets. So just do what's good for you. Yeah. Period. So as we move forward, when we discuss sexual health, yeah, the, the sex talk, but the other side of the sex talk that uh, we kind of shy away from, uh, most people like to make exclusions, you know, based on sexuality. Well, because I'm not a part of the LGBTQIA community, I don't have to worry about it. Or because I'm gay, I don't have to worry about it. Or because I'm lesbian, I don't have to worry about it. Or these things of the nature, we, we kind of put sexual health uh, on the back burner to our lives. And it's super, super important. And in truth, we all must protect and sustain healthy sexual practices. So what are your thoughts from a professional and personal stance when it comes to these affairs? Well, I must say, just because you're a part of the LGBTQI community does not mean that you cannot um get some of these diseases and right stds and you know right. um sexually transmitted infections uh that are out there right now right please do not think that you're an exception you know um we all have the same body parts yeah um, and even if we're speaking statistically i mean 
uh, Black women have had the highest statistics in HIV contraction in the past decade. So, I mean, that within itself shows us the importance of, you know, making sure that we are taking care of ourselves and and in being mindful of our testing and status. Exactly, exactly. Please do not think that you're an exception. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And two, you know, LGBTQIA members, you know, especially gay men, black gay men, you know, one of the biggest movements that I was a part of uh, when I joined uh, many uh, provisions uh, of sexual health in Oakland, California. One of them was AIDS prevention against the AIDS prevention of the East Bay. And that was established by a medical leader who studied the AIDS epidemic when it first broke out in this in the late 70s and 80s. And his job and his mission uh, was to serve in Black, Latino, underserved communities with the outbreak of AIDS, HIV. Uh, the reason being because he noticed that all of the best support and the best care was being provided to the wealthy, to the powerful, who could sustain and keep that level of health and support. And so he provided with alongside of powerful medical leaders nationally and globally, a, a, a support system such as clinics and testing units that provided different types of support to black communities, LGBTQIA underserved communities. And, you know, as we progress in this life, we need to make sure that we need to protect ourselves. Wear condoms. Yes. Um, wear condoms. Please wear condoms. Uh, that's the best thing you can do. Um, if you're going to be sexually active, if you want to be so holy, then go ahead, practice abstinence, but all power to you. Yes, abstinence is 100% effective. (laughs) It's 100% and the only one 100%. Everything else is just, you know, 99%. 99 99.9, 99.8, yeah. Right. So, you know, it's the conversation that we like to talk about it. And then also, again, you know, uh, men, if you're not ready, to have a cho- have a child, get a vasectomy. If you don't want children, get a vasectomy. Okay, let's not leave it up to women just to have this situation. Let's have men start getting vasectomies and then we can have a true world of difference and we can have a true approach. But that's also my opinion when it comes to uh, supporting uh, that level of individuality. It's not just on the women's shoulders. Uh, men, if you don't want to, you know, have that level of responsibility, go ahead. Uh, Going to be a deadbeat dad anyways. You might as well just, you know, get a vasectomy. So <laughs> moving on, <laughs> as we progress in your health administration, as you progress rather, uh, and as we are with you, as we support you in this journey, Sydney, uh, what are some goals you desire your legacy to leave behind? Um, well, I want to be known, as far as my legacy, as someone who gave back into the community, as I asked some of you to do. Give back yeah. to your community, pour into your community, love your community, uplift our young children. Um, I want to be known as that person. I was brought into a very 
loving, loving community of, you know, African American people and myself, I'm African American, but I was not born, you know, in this community, nor, you know, I was only raised there after the age of three. So I was not brought into um, the town that I live in. I was not born into the town I live in. But I live in a town, um, Lawnside, New Jersey. Yes. And we are a town of African-American people that support one another, that love one another, that you yeah. know, care for one another. Our town is very small. Yeah. And, you know, I must say we always stick together. No matter what, we stick together. We love each other. You know, we could fuss and argue about certain topics or discussions, but at the end of the day, we're going to come together as a community. And I must say that community has poured so much into me and has formed me to become this young woman that I am today. So as I go on in life, I want to be able to give back to my community, to give back to those children, give back to the school that, you know, taught me the school that created the person I am today the school and the teachers that pushed me to go the extra step further Um, I want to be that person Um, at the same time I do love to travel and I am a hard worker so I would love I would love 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 you know to be able to give back but be put in a position where I can you know still work and travel and you know yeah and things like that Um, and for sure i think there's you know so many things that can be done in our communities but it just takes people to step up and be that motivation that encouragement that extra support you know and i want to be one of those people yes and you know you mentioned longside new jersey which is a powerful community with rich history uh, revolving around Black America, true Black America, all the way back to the Underground, the underground Railroad. Railroad. Yes, And definitely. so we understand, two people understand the relevance of Longside, New Jersey, and we're both two privileged people to have been in such a powerful community. And I was thinking earlier in, in our conversation about the education support that we had, that even though we had a small, you know, K through 8, uh, school system that those teachers and the, the 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 administration staff worked so hard to provide the latest technology to provide the latest resources to us to provide the latest education and the and the most relevant support to prepare us for not just you know getting our high school diploma but actually right. preparing us to believe that oh no we're talking about college we're talking about what you're going to be doing in the next five to ten years and right. we're talking about a community who genuinely cares and of course it has it it's community facade just like every other one but in the in the richness of it in the beauty it is pure black and that's something that we kind of believe died with you know great uh, monuments such as Tulsa but we have strong monuments such as Lawnside that that still stand and that still serve and that really believe, you know, another thing uh, that I'm so privileged for about Lawnside is that they had a men's uh, organization that uh, they would have the men every other Thursday from all different walks of leadership and and discussion um, talk to us about 
reality. Talk to us about corporate leadership. Talk to us about community leadership and outpour. Even talk to us about their times when they were our age and the challenges that they had to face. And as I look back at those, it was so rich for me to be in that kind of experience because realistically, if I would have gone to the most prestigious schools in our nation, they would not have done something so genuine and so meaningful and so heartfelt focused around young black men. Yes, you don't get that everywhere. Right, you know, we're always saying, save our black men, save our black men, but we're not really ushering our young black men and young black women in the how-to aspect. So alongside, I just have to give credit to also, it is, it, it, they gave us that how-to factor, which many black Americans really miss, unfortunately. They, they really miss that support. Yes. So, you know, this has been a powerful discussion, Sydney. Thank you so much for joining us. And before well, thank we... you for having me. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege. It's been an honor. It's a blessing to be in a position to speak to people that are just like me and come from where I come from. Yes, yes. Thank you. I mean, it's such a blessing to grow with you uh, as, as a best friend, as a leader, as executives out in multiple industries. It's so amazing that, again, Yes, listeners, we've known each other since middle school. So, and Sydney was, I can even take this a step further, that that Sydney was a true friend to me, especially in a time where um, being a young, young, effervescent, eclectic young man that I was, I I wasn't everyone's favorite cup of tea. And on the other hand, Sydney was pretty popular. So, you know, it was really cool that she was inclusive and that she loved me. And if and, and really, and if you can learn how to find friends who are willing to be them genuinely and authentically, yes. uh, I mean, that is the best thing that you can ever have in this world. And so now, you know, here we are young adults, you know, yes. I have you, you know, on, you know, my, my show and, you know, we're going to grow together and I can't wait, you know, for, for the future discussions. But, and, and this relationship has grown to like, literally her family is my family and vice versa. And so I just want to just also leave with the listeners before I leave it in the hands of Sydney that just sometimes being a good friend, being a good listener, um, being a good person of support is, is really helpful to people. And so we don't need to be uh, anyone's superhero, but we can sometimes be a good friend. And I can say I've had that friendship in Sydney for all of these years, and I'm so thankful for you. Yes, I'm thankful for you, too. I love you. <laughs> Love you too. I love you too. So in your own words, Sydney, uh, how can we uh, as diverse cultures and communities uh, practice inclusivity and learn how to come together? You you really touched on it, but let me rephrase the question. In your own words, what would you like to leave us with? Um, Just be open-minded. You know, not everybody has the same heart that I may have or the same heart that you may have. Right. But just being open-minded and listening, excuse me, to different perspectives and yeah. different opinions and different ideals that other people may have might open your mind to something bigger, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what I notice about myself. I have a real open mind. Like, I could be one-sided about a situation, but I'm not going to knock down somebody else's up for right. my own. I'm going to listen and I'm going to consider it. 
And if yes. that allows me to open up my mind, then that yeah. just makes me it makes me it makes me feel like a better person. Yeah. And it also gives me insight and detail and knowledge of something I never um heard of or felt before you know so just yeah. always have an open mind be open to trying things to talk to new people mm-hmm. um open-minded to different opinions and perspectives and situations that may occur in this life and that's yeah. that's what i could say just be open-minded wonderful we would like to thank sydney davis for joining us during this day two of our pride week conference Thank you so much for joining us, Sydney. We are so privileged to have you. And we thank our active listeners for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you here for our day three of our Pride Week Conference, part two. Refuge of Mount Olive is thankful for the podcast community that has grown with our organization. And if you would like to stay connected with us via Instagram, you can follow us at r.o.m.o underscore. If you'd like to subscribe to our YouTube, type in Refuge of Mount Olive. We're also active on Facebook where you can type in also Refuge of Mount Olive. Thank you so much and we look forward to staying connected with you.